0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and
1: Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the
0: workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. <laughs> his partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? It's another week, and that means another episode of Catch and Shoot 2.0 with myself as well as Otto Strong ignites and with that i want to play everyone's favorite game on this show and i think it's my favorite game but where in the world is otto this week what's up otto how's it going <laughs>
1: hey how are you doing so uh this week otto is coming to you live from manchester connecticut Of uh, those who have uh, followed last week you will know that i was in fort worth texas uh, i just uh, took on the job of sports editor at the fort worth star telegram uh, I am still the sports editor at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, but um, I left to get down to Texas in cover of night uh, because of an imminent firing, um, um, Jason Garrett and the, and the Cowboys. So uh, I did that, but now i got to actually move stuff down to Texas. So I'm back here packing up uh, my, my 10 pairs of Air Jordans and, uh, you know, the skivvies that I didn't bring the first just, time
0: around. <laughs> just 10 pairs of Air Jordans, though. That's that, that's kind of amazing that there's only 10 pairs of that.
1: Well, I only have ten pairs. I mean, there are people out there, as you know uh, who 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 dabble into the you know triple digits and four digits and and i and I venture to say you and I probably know some of the same people who who can check those boxes.
0: Oh, oh, absolutely. I was telling you this off off air though, but I once knew a guy who had over 50 pairs. And so I, I guess that's good to open this up too. But if you are a Jordan shoe collector or a Jordan enthusiast, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter at Aaron underscore Berlin at pure hoops media at Otto strong. We'd love to hear from you guys, but Otto, you know, before we get too much into what we're going to talk about today, you know, our colors on this show are red and white, and I had a tremendous weekend. This is an NBA podcast. First and foremost, but my Kansas City Chiefs were left dead in the water, down 24 to nothing to the Houston Texans. Patty Mahomes, my man, made it happen, and I couldn't be happier. I am on cloud nine right now. Do you watch that game at all?
1: I watched a part of the game. I was one of those people who just kind of shook my head when it was 24-0. And then, and then I and I did something. I mean, like heated up some pizza, came back, and it was like, and all of a sudden they were up like by a whole lot. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I'm happy for you. Uh, I, I think I think I think they have a good chance to go all the way, and, and I mean like all the way, all the way. So, you know, hopefully your your, your guys pull it out and you you you, you get that w
0: will tell you what. If they win this week, it'd be the first time in over 50 years that they would have made a Super Bowl. So, we'll see if it happens or not. But I'll tell you what. You know, for the first time since November, we saw Kyrie Irving back on an NBA parquet. I guess what was your takeaway from this? Uh, what was your takeaway for the Nets? And kind of is this Nets team who's kind of floundering in that playoff race right now. Does this give them a little bit of a spark?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, they were holding down the fort as best they could. They knew that Kyrie was was coming back. They knew that, that, uh, that, I, that clearly his play would lift them. And so now the question is, um, it hasn't played in a couple months. So, so what's it going to be like? Is it going to be able to, because um, they're, they're, they're needing him to go to work right away. They you know this is not one of those deals where you could kind of, you know, play your way back in. So, uh i like I, I think he's going to provide the spark it's coming just at the right time um you know for them um so you know, what what i wonder is is you know when a guy comes back how does the how does he you know especially the alpha like like Kyrie, how does he fit into the, the mix with everybody else um you know clearly he's the guy who needs to have the ball but you know what does this do and what do you think it's going to do for the rest of the squad
0: well, that, that's a really good point. You, you know, Kyrie's kind of an oddball, right? Like, like, it's safe to say that with everything that's been spoken about him with some of the comments that he's made throughout his NBA career. But he is an alpha dog player. He is kind of the world that that team revolves around. And kind of the interesting thing was, you know, early on in the season before he went out in mid-November and he missed 26 games, Spencer Dinwiddie was coming off the bench for that Nets team. When he came back the other night, they elected to put Spencer alongside with them. And I think Spencer had about eight assists in that game. Kyrie went off. He shot 90% for the floor. And those two looked in sync. You know, so much of what made that Nets team so good last year was kind of the cohesiveness of which they played with. And, you know, if that Nets team takes what we saw on Sunday night and that continues on throughout the rest of the season, I don't think... It's out of the realm of possibilities that this Nets team could potentially be in the five seed, in the four seed. Do I think they're a top three team in the East with a healthy Kyrie? No, but I think that they're good enough to where they could make some noise in the NBA playoffs, but it's it's a good point what you're talking about. How he plays alongside with Spencer Dinwiddie, and if it continues the way that we saw the other night, that's what's imperative for this Nets team.
1: No, there's no question. I mean, look, a healthy Kyrie-led team is going to give any team any team problems in the first round. I mean, uh, clearly, well, I shouldn't say clearly. I don't feel like they'll fall to an eight seed. Uh, Milwaukee is probably the only team they could dispatch with them, you know, fairly easily. And maybe you could make a case that Boston would as well. But uh, for the most part, I don't think any team uh, on the opposite side is going to be looking forward to. Uh, uh, you know, to seeing Kyrie, um, you know, we, and, you know, Kyrie, when the game is on the line, Kyrie, when the lights are on, we, we've seen what Kyrie does in big moments and in big games. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to be someone staring down, down the barrel of, of, that, uh, of that Kyrie.
0: So I, I guess, you know, and maybe this is the last thing we, we talk about when we speak about this Nets team and where this team is going. But at 18 and 20 right now, there's seven games back in the win column. Of the five seed. And you know, they've played pretty much a month and a half, and I think it's 25-26 games that they've played without him in that lineup. But is this Nets team, with what you've seen, are they any better than a team that took the sixth seed in last year's Eastern Conference playoffs?
1: Well, like, I mean, look, they have tremendous confidence now. I mean, like you got, you know, SDA, like we're saying, um, you know, Harris shooting a three. I mean, they they do have guys who had to get it done without Kyrie, and so now um you know they're just i i think they're just going to be their spirits are just spirits are just going to be buoyed by the fact that he's back so you know i i i, you know, I think they are, like i said before going to be a dangerous squad and probably will be able to contend you know, aside from Milwaukee contend with anybody um you know, with anybody else uh, that they're facing now uh so we're going to transition here because the nets are about to face the jazz which is our next team that we want to talk about it's so, crazy how, it's
0: crazy how everything's cyclical right like we talk about one <laughs> thing and it just bleeds right into the next
1: you know you know this is what happens when you play in a show well you folks out there this is this is what we do you know and with our producers you know scott and bruce uh, this, this is what we do we do this for you it's a labor of love but uh but but let's talk about the jazz jazz are a team that has reeled off nine straight um they are the team that good. yeah and they're the team that like like, everyone's like, okay, where did they come from again? Like, you know, and so 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 now the the, the Jazz are, are, you know, for folks who are uniniti- uninitiated, yeah, you have to take them seriously. You're going to have to watch them because if they somehow pull out a victory on the road against the Nets in Brooklyn, that'll be 10 wins straight. And that's crazy to think that in a Western Conference that it's got all of the teams that we've talked about before, uh, Houston and the Clippers and the Lakers, obviously, that the Utah Jazz could be in the second seat. I mean, Aaron, did you have the Jazz in the two spot?
0: Uh, definitely not the two slot. You know, I thought maybe at best four, but I probably thought that they would settle around that five. You know, I think everyone knows how good the Lakers are, how good the Clippers are, how good. Uh, The Nuggets are, especially in the Western Conference. But I don't think anyone thought that they could be this good. And and I'll tell you one thing, Otto, that's been really impressive during this run is how good they've been defensively. You know, that's kind of their Hmm. calling card the last few years. And a lot of people have said that they haven't had the offensive firepower. But now when you have Mike Conley alongside Donovan Mitchell, and then you have big Rudy Gobert down low, you know, that's a formidable team. But defensively early on this year, I didn't think that they were playing at the same level that we saw them at last year. And then all of a sudden, when you start looking at a Quinn Snyder coach team and where that defensive rating starts ticking up and ticking up, and you know, I think the last few years, they were at least a top three defensive team in the West. They're top eight right now, and it's showing, and it's looking like a team that's more and more comfortable. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what, healthy Mike Conley, a determined Donovan Mitchell, and it depends how long it takes him to get over this illness. But that's a really good team on paper, and we're starting to see it on the floor.
1: Oh, I mean, they, look—they've got—they've got, they've got uh, you know, they're, and they they're got Joe Ingles up. too. We yes, he's having yes, a little yes. Bit of yes. Too. yes, I mean, look, th- this squad is exciting. I mean, they—they they, they have, uh, look, we've we've known for for years. Their arena is a crazy place to play. It's a hostile environment for anybody coming in. Uh, oh, you know, they
0: love their jazz. Th-
1: Oh, they love their jazz Something here. So, uh, so, you know, if they're, if they're able to hold on, I, I, you know, I, I say that like, they may not be able to, but why wouldn't they, but if they're able to, you know, have a, have home court, uh, you know, we're obviously projecting a few months ahead here, but if they are able to have home court, uh, in the, in the playoffs, I mean, they would be, yeah, I, I, I kind of think I'm starting to think like, well, maybe they could be in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, it's, I don't think it's beyond the pale to to suggest that. I I, I look at teams like the, you know, Houston's uh, defense. mate. what day is it today? Maybe we'll play mid defense. Maybe we won't. I mean, that that kind of um, that kind of attention to detail, de- attention to defense in the in the postseason is not going to get it done. Clippers kind of look like I'm sure they'll figure out by the playoffs time, but but sometimes they look like they're a little vacant. Uh, other times, no. So, you know, as you mentioned, Quinn's Spider coach team, uh, he's going to have those guys re- prepped and ready to go and ready to roll. So, well, and, I, 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 yeah.
0: And this is my last question for you on this, because this is why we're on the topic. It's something that I thought for a long time. I don't know if there's been a better front office in terms of how they've acquired players, some of the trades that they've made, some of the deals that they've made in putting together this roster. I, I mean, think of what Quinn Snyder and that front office have done hand in hand. Not only do they acquire Donovan Mitchell, you think about Rudy Gobert, you think about Mike Conley and some of the other deals that they've made. So many people want to say smart up front offices are what build championships and wins championships. And this Utah team has been a perfect example of that because I mean, quite frankly, they have struggled getting free agents there over the years, and that's the only way that they can build this team is through the draft and through trades. They've
1: got a bunch of guys who've kind of you know, decided they were going to kind of play together, work together, know their roles um you know it, it potentially could i mean donovan's obviously getting the shine that 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 he's deserved for quite some time and, and
0: that was a great pick at 13 was wasn't mm-hmm,
1: it? Mm-hmm. and they'll probably be you know i would imagine he would certainly be an all-star after i believe the snub uh, a couple of years past or last season if i'm if i'm not mistaken but you know he, he's certainly on on the map and on the radar now but um but still even with that he's not all-star yes but he's not the you know the, the 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 major star, in the way that that um, you know, in the way of like a LeBron or or Antetokounmpo, or you know, or Steph Curry, or so or someone like that. But at, at the same time, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He is a hell of a player. All star deserves deserves everything that's coming to him. But um, but at the, at the same time, he's just you know, he's he's not kind of that guy, at least yet. You know, who knows? Maybe have one of those um Damian Lillard type moments in the playoffs were you know knocking down that, that that deep three or something like that but uh but i i'm just i'm excited for for what they're going to do and and how they're you know you know likely hopefully you know mix up the west um cuz i think everyone had it scripted okay LA LA and yeah, maybe we got to throw Houston in there but Utah Jazz
0: it's time once again for that catch-and-shoot 2.0 favorite,
1: Old School, New School. So our Old School, New School segment this week. Uh, Russell Westbrook was playing in OKC uh, as part of a Russell Westbrook night. And Kendrick Perkins, a uh, former, former Oklahoma City player, made, comment, made a comment that, uh, that, that Russ Westbrook and not Kevin Durant was the best player in Oklahoma City Thunder history. Now, before we get into that, what happened after that? was a little bit of a feud, a little bit of a Twitter beef between KD and Kendrick Perkins, and we'll get in we'll get into the to the the who said what and when uh, in, in in just a second. But uh, part of just the the underlying context here, part of the issue is that uh, a, whole, a number of players, current former, had issues with KD leaving Oklahoma City and going to the Golden State Warriors a couple of seasons ago. After the Warriors were basically one game away from winning a title, so that's kind of the underlying, you know, you know uh, drama here. Um, we're going to get into the the whole issue of of uh, whether players should win uh, or whether players should you know, leave their teams and, and join others. Um, but I want to kick it to Aaron first, and Aaron's going to kind of go through the tweet just so so our re, our, our viewers have that uh, have that uh, available.
0: Yeah, I and you know, one of the interesting things about this is kind of twitter creates a conversation right and allows players to talk to each other through different time zones through different plays and the the interesting thing and before we kind of dive into this is you know how much of this stuff would have happened kind of in the 80s and early 90s where you would have had conversations you would have had twitter beefs like this between nba stars but there wasn't a platform like this you know the only way that you were going to say something like this was if a TV camera or a radio microphone was in front of you, you know, you weren't going to have an off the cuff conversation from a player who played with a team like that, that you would have now. And, you know, that was kind of my first thought about this is obviously those thunder players were very, very hurt when Kevin elected to go to golden state. But at the same time, you know, Katie makes a business decision for himself and wants to win a championship, which is understandable. And he feels That Golden State was his best option. That's in his own right. Now, it's okay for players to feel burned, to feel frustrated, to feel kind of betrayed. And I think that's kind of a lot of what we were seeing was what that Oklahoma City Thunder culture was like in that moment where players didn't necessarily trust each other. But the first thing before we get into that thread is, do you think we ever would have saw anything like this in the 80s or 90s if Twitter would have been around then?
1: Well, the first thing I want to say is could you imagine Twitter in the 80s with Charles
0: Barkley? I mean like, <laughs> Oh, it would have been tremendous. I mean my my belief oh, is we already get magic right on Twitter which is something.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. I mean that 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 may be a show in and of itself, you know, who who in the 80s would have would have blown up on Twitter. <laughs> but um but but no, I mean look, you in the 80s look, it's a different different era, um but you basically would not have had um you know the the, the super teen kind of um, you know, one player joining another one. I could not imagine, fathom for, the, for a moment that Patrick Ewing would leave New York and like go to Chicago to join, <laughs> join Michael Jordan, um, you know, or, or any other combination. Like, you know, I mean, I realized, yes, Karl Malone did go to Lakers, but like in his prime, would he have done that? I mean, hell no. That's just, that kind of thing just would not have happened.
0: Yeah, and but, and and maybe that's a bigger point is that these guys are, are all friends now. You know, in that era, I don't know if they were friends, right? Like, like all these guys grow up playing AAU. A lot of them know each other in college. They've been through the circuit with each other, and so when we get instances like this on social, you, you know, not that it's hatred or it's or I, I think a lot of it's more friendly banter than anything, but I, I just can't imagine that happening.
1: Yeah, the, the, I mean. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, st- the stakes have changed. I mean, like you know, there were there were teams that downright hated each other. I mean, you know, like Pistons, Celtics guys like brawling, and then afterwards, I think like, we really can't stand them. And you know, as a as a New Yorker, Knicks Bulls, those guys hated each other, hated each other. John Starks, uh, Oakley Mason. I'm talking about my New York my New York um, guys, but but uh, yeah, there there was no love lost between those teams. You know now uh at, you know in this era obviously Wade is retired but you know not too long ago you know Wade would have have you know wine with with LeBron or, or guys who were opponents um it's just a very different um culture and atmosphere
0: yeah it's it's the banana bow players right and everything that they bring together mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. and anyway here were the tweets that were in question Kendrick Perkins started this all off and you mentioned that it was Russell Westbrook night Inside the Ford Center in OKC was the first time that he had returned to Oklahoma City since the summer trade that sent him to Houston. And so obviously for Thunder fans and with how passionate they are, this was a big night for them. Because remember, when all this went down, Kevin was the one... Who left Oklahoma City, you know, and Russ then the following summer signed that huge five year Supermax contract, and I think you can fact check me on this at the time, but I think he was the very first one, if not it wasn't John wall that signed the Supermax at that time. so it was a big deal that he was committing to stay in Oklahoma City in kind of a moment where everyone felt like uh, you know that the ship was sinking, that they were going to lose their two star players. but Kendrick tweeted in that moment. KD lost in the second round without Russ when I was there. So what that mean? and KD responded, and this was the first part of it, said, yeah, and our starting center, Kendrick Perkins, averaged a whopping two and three during that series. You played hard though, champ. And so I guess before we get into the second half of that, you know, I mentioned it kind of speaks to what the Thunder culture was, and you mentioned early on what players thought about KD and kind of some of the underlying issues there with him. How much does that one tweet, kind of speak about Katie's personality from what we all thought during his time in Oklahoma city, where he was kind of like this carefree quiet guy. And then it kind of seemed like the second he left Oklahoma city, we started seeing more of the actual personality of Kevin Durant.
1: Well, we also wound up, wound wound up seeing, or was seeing were were other guys taking, taking shots at him. Um, yeah. and you know, like, look on the one hand we say, um, you know, players should be should be out there and you know busting his butt and, and and playing as hard as he can. And and this guy with what four scoring titles, and on the, with the same breath or similar breath, we're saying, but how many rings does he have? And so, you know, you know, yes, it, it was a, it was a business decision as far as I mean, both you know, monetary, but also. What what a ring means and and what uh, you know potential legacy Hall of Fame. Look, he's, he's a Hall of Famer no matter how you slice it. In my in my opinion, but but you know he's a guy who certainly wanted to go in with with rings and not have the tag of yeah, but he never won the big one. So you know he made the choice and 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 he left. Um, uh, as as for um, as for the 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 type of guy that he is um. He's hella competitive. I mean, I've spent time with him. I've interviewed him. Which um,
0: Most alphas are right. Like if you're, if you have a player who's an alpha on your team and he's not ultra competitive, that's a problem. And, and you know, you'll say that's not really the type of player you want on your team.
1: It's a right. But at the same time, he was, a, he, you know, he was a quiet guy. I mean, he, he, he didn't, you know, there was not a lot of flash, uh, you know, to do him he, in, in, in that regard. I mean, his. you know, he let his game do the talking. Um, you know but but make no mistake i mean he's you know certainly you know wants to be as as he as he told me on two days before the draft he said i want to be the best player that's ever played the game those were the, like the words out of his mouth two days before the draft uh and you know in large part he's basically you know on, on the on the road to do on the road to doing that and at times it has been that guy um so like I, he, he takes incredible amount of pride in in what he does i don't think he entered in, into the decision lightly um, you know, knowing him or remembering him. Um, and so I, I think that those are, um, I think that really struck a nerve with him. And I think that he definitely, you know, did, did he, you know, I don't want to say lash out, but, but he, did he respond, um, in a way that, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he, he felt badly and he, and he, and he responded the way he
0: did. Absolutely. And, and I'm just going to say this, I am here for the heel version of Kevin Durant, I love it, and I'm about it. And he's a guy that just wants to do what he wants to do, and he doesn't care uh, who he has to step over in his way. So anyway, here is the second half of the tweet that we didn't talk about, and I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to tee you up for something here that I think you're going to really enjoy. Uh, Perkins tweeted, quote, Boy, stop, you did the weakest move in NBA history with a lot of exclamation marks, and he goes up on a team 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals. He's referring to the Golden State Warriors in that moment. And then go join them in the following season, question mark. Heart of a champion, right there. So I ask you, Otto, in this moment, is that still the weakest move in NBA history?
1: Mm. Uh, wow. I mean, it's it's, it's certainly the, the the highest profile. And I don't, I don't, I can't. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of something else that would would rival, you know, that. I mean, you know, the, yes. I mean, Shaq. Uh, you know, went went to LA, but, you know, but it's not like it's not like they were on the doorstep of the title you've assumed that they were going to win one but it's not like they had it right there um, some people may LeBron haters may say well you know the you know, teaming up with you know joining Wade and then and coming down with Bosch uh, maybe that's a, a you know a, a, a weak move but I I, I I gotta think that the the, the KD um, going to golden State and if we're talking about in this Parliament you know it kind of in this way that that under those rules that, that yeah, yes, that would have to be seen as the, as the weakest. Uh, I, I can't, th- if there's another one. It's not hitting me. You got one.
0: Well, the, so the Shaq one, obviously here, because I live in Orlando still, I, I mean, they talk about that Orlando Sentinel poll that ran and they say that was the driving force behind Shaq leaving to go to LA. No, Shaq wanted to win titles with Kobe. And that's the same thing that Kevin Durant wanted to do in this situation. It goes back to what you said. KD is a guy that's driven by championships, that's driven by the desire to win and to be the best in a sport. And that's what alphas do. And in that moment, he surveyed the land that was the NBA at that moment. And he said, this is the best way because of a unique situation and the rise of the cap at this moment and where everybody else is positioned in the NBA for me to win a championship. And I'm going to go do that. And I thought the bigger move in all of this, and I, I think there's a conversation to be had about his desire to do it in another market, was, you know, he said, I, I've done it here. I've established that I can win a championship. Now I'm going to go off and form my own team in Brooklyn, grab the point guard that I want, and I'm going to do it in another market to prove that I wasn't a joke and that I couldn't win a championship because I had this great team around me. I, I mean, isn't that fair to say that the, the move that he has done now and jumping to Brooklyn is far more impressive than I think anything he could have continued to do in Golden State?
1: Oh, it'll, it'll, look, it'll be impressive if if they if they win, <laughs> if they if they implode or if there are, you know, if, if ego becomes an issue um then 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 like it's going to be a tremendous story you know either way but but uh look i i am i am on board for this ride this is this i I can't wait for i mean the rest of this season is exciting but but uh, that that is going to be uh, a drama in and of itself
0: bruh all right, Otto, it's time for, I think, everyone's favorite segment. It's certainly my favorite segment. It is our brah segment, and it's that time of the week where we pick out our funniest, wackiest, most out-of-control things that happen in the NBA that seem to happen weekly. And the one that I picked out, and I'm sure you saw this, was Zion Williamson. Everyone knows him as the number one overall pick, the big dunker, the big athlete. But what we have not seen is Zion Williamson play in the NBA just yet, but part of the things that we have seen Is Zion falling asleep on an NBA sideline with his team going to overtime after they had squandered a 12 point lead? They ended up winning the basketball game. But come on, man, you cannot fall asleep in that kind of a moment. You are the franchise star, you are the face of a city. And honestly, I don't want to say the face of the NBA, but you're certainly right now one of the key focal points of it. You know, a camera is going to be on you at every point. You cannot fall asleep during an NBA basketball game. It cannot happen. Even if you're bored, you have to look like you're in it. You have to look fired up and you have to look in it to win it. (sighs) I know he's a rookie. I know that once he starts playing, he's going to be much more energized, Pelicans fans need this man. They just had the Saints get bounced in the wild card weekend. They need some Zion and they need him to look like he wants to be there. Bruh, figure it out.
1: Okay, so now I'm in the Fort Worth market. I guess you you might think that I'm going to come up with something Dallas related every week. Not so. However, I am this week. So so uh Luka Doncic uh played in the game against against the Lakers on on uh, you know last Friday. Uh, and at one point missed a couple of free throws and did the, did the kind of Superman Jersey rip, um, which I, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, I, I get it. You want to, you want to be passionate and, uh, and you really care. And, and, and however, this is like the second time he's done this move. Uh, it happened for those who recall it happened against the Clippers back in January. So almost, almost a full, full year ago. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I would just want to say like, you know, you know pa- pound your fist or something but you know the walk around with the jersey half just looked kind of kind of goofy and silly and I realized he's a superstar he's 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 going places he's gonna he's gonna be the real deal but uh, and and I also get he's 20 and I'm not, I'm not trying to not trying to you know uh, take him down for that or anything like that but uh, you know if people saw all those stupid things I did when I was 20 <laughs> that'd be a whole nother show but uh, so my brother week is simply bruh keep your jersey together man
0: aww uh... Aaron. All right, Otto, we've already had our fun this week, but now it's time to kind of take a look at our mailbag, some of the questions that were submitted by our listeners. This one's comes courtesy of at JonasD90. His name is Jonas Nordman. He goes, what do you think the chances are of the Lakers trading Kuzma, or do you even think they should? I say the chances of something like this happening, specifically a Kyle Kuzma trade, are actually – pretty good I think the one thing you look at when you look at that Lakers roster and it's the one thing that I really think LeBron needs in order to be a championship level team is they need some kind of a sharpshooter whether that's a buddy healed whether that's another player out there but I think the likelihood that a player does get dealt and the Lakers make some kind of a move is very high now the chances that that's Kuzma I think because of the assets that they have and what they have around him and kind of the pick capital that they have I, I think he's by far the most likely player to be moved what say you
1: well look i, I, lo- I love me some kuzma but um you know this team is is built to win now it has got to be a team that's built to win now so um you know, to get that sharpshooter that they that they were you know l- looking to uh to get their hands on to get over the hump uh, if if they feel like they need to get over to to whatever degree that a team that is in first place in the Western Conference needs to get over them, but um, I, I, look, I hope that that he sticks around just because I I like his style and I think he meshes with them. But I could certainly understand him going. I'm, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do the wishy-washy fifty-fifty. Sorry. Well, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks to all of you for listening to Catch and Shoot 2.0. We appreciate each and every one of you who join us each week. Thanks also to our producer Scott Turkin. Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Ben Wolfen, for being such great teammates. Please check out all of our other Pure Hoops media shows.
0: And just a reminder, the Mike Weiss Show has a new episode each Monday. Buckets, boards, and blocks with Monica McNutt is each Thursday. And the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops every Friday. As for Otto and myself, we're back each Wednesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0. Please check them all out, download and subscribe, rate and review. You guys have no idea how much that does, not only for building the brand, but pushing our show as well. And thank you so much for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed it and we'll see you next week.
1: Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.